Another Way to Play, Episode 74. We can't live in the unknown. We can try to get the knowledge to know. We can be proactive and stay healthy like we're trying to do. But fearing the unknown will get you nowhere. It will stop you. This is Bob Brum, Encouragement Engineer. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Bob Brum, a self-titled encouragement engineer. And if you don't know what that means, he's going to tell you. Basically, he started out life thinking he was going to be a real engineer, construction and IT, and worked his way through a lot of different businesses and education paths, only to find out that he had a real passion and knack for building a bridge between some of the technical world and the people across departments, across industries who needed to implement all of those skills. He's then taken that into a book writing career as well as a speaking career where he goes around to professional groups, college, and even high school groups um, talking about his message of positivity, uh, knowing how to create a better environment for yourself, and generally taking action in a positive way to improve your life. So I really had a great time talking with Bob, and I'm sure the rest of you guys will enjoy this episode. And if you do get value out of it, If you wouldn't mind taking a minute or two after you're done uh, listening to head over to iTunes and leave a written rating and review because it really helps me grow, helps me gain critical feedback, as well as helps uh, boost the algorithm a bit. So appreciate you for doing that in advance. Uh, Thank you so much. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring in the encouragement engineer himself, Bob Brum. Bob, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you on. Thank you, Hans. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, before we get into all of the fun stuff that you're doing now as an encouragement engineer, as I mentioned in the intro, let's back up. Let's build a little bit of context and talk about how you got there. Okay. Well, it's it's always interesting as an encouragement engineer, people wonder where that comes from. And sometimes you get a look of what exactly is that? And it formulates from growing up, basically. I wanted to be a constructional engineering major in school. So that engineering background, that technical background, if you will, I found out that I wasn't proficient in physics or Fortran and realized that maybe I should do something else. So I switched over to accounting. And I love the numbers. I love dealing with the money and the growth of businesses and the entrepreneur ideas and finished my college time as a accounting major, business and accounting major. And then I got into the idea of working for a telecommunications company. Learning that came to me very quickly, so I enjoyed that. And then I got into the IT field as well and been doing that for 25 plus years. So there's a combination there of all that 
And what I find in the IT industry is a lot of times they can speak with acronyms, just like in accounting or engineering, it's acronym soup. And that's great for the people that are in it. But those outside of it kind of look at you like, what are you saying? And being able to decipher that and explain that and talk to a broader audience, let alone talk to the audience to begin with, but talk to them in a way they understand was critical. And that's how the encouragement engineer came about. So you had this idea to actually be an engineer, like the traditional type that most people think of. Correct. So how does that start? Like, so you're trying to do the technical stuff, you know, some of it's working, some of it's not. You work your way through the work world into IT and then the acronym side of it. Like, how does someone connect the dots from all of that into the speaking and all the stuff you're doing now? Well, how many IT people do you see out speaking in front of big audiences? I mean, (laughs) probably not many that I can think of. (laughs) That's my point. Unless they're like the CEO of some company or something. Right. And that's what was different is I could speak the language of the people in it that are in the weeds and in doing the daily tasks. And I could speak the language of the business partners. So understanding what their processes, what they needed out of their processes, it would mean for the accounting field and understanding what accounting needs from IT and how those two mesh. I mean, when you're looking at, for instance, planning out a site, you've got a plan for, oh, well, three to five years, you're going to have to replace this equipment. That goes to the accounting side. So they can look at the long-term costs that you're going to have with these scenarios. And you can explain that. And the best part is I am able to speak with senior officers because they have to understand the accounting side. They have to understand what's the benefit of doing this product. When you're purchasing a three hundred dollars to $500,000 expenditure, what's the value going to be for me? And that's what I help groups to realize is understanding that value of what they bring, not only on an individual basis, because after all, the people doing the work are people first and their value, and that's critical. So that's how the encouragement comes into the technical piece. You can get into the weeds about a technical process on any field, but the people doing the work first are people. And we need to remind a lot of groups of that, that you know that encouragement is critical for us as individuals and for a company to grow. Whether corporate organization, collegiate, uh, sales, youth organizations, whatever that may be, it's important that we see that value we bring to the organization. And um, I love to share that with people, especially I talk to all different types of audiences and high school audiences, remind them about the process of getting a job. And that idea that, you know what, you want to share with that employer the best value you're going to bring. What's that value you're going to bring them so that they will bring you in to hire you? Because people love the, the end goals of the cars and the dates and being able to do stuff. But how are you getting there is important for a lot of people to see. That's really important. And one thing I, I just heard you bring up in the last couple of minutes is the people aspect. Like, I think engineers probably have the worst rap of all of this and probably coders being the absolute worst of it, you know, computer engineer people. But, you know, the the soft skills and the ability to communicate and, you know, just generally get along with one another in a work environment I'm sort of struck by that part of what you've just suggested because you're right. Like as it's so fascinating how some of us are are good at, you know, the technical side, but not at the the people side and vice versa. And you've found a way to sort of bridge that gap in your own personal skills and your offerings in the marketplace. Like how did you identify that for yourself? Well, and and that piece goes back a longer, longer way. Uh, It goes back to when I was little, if you will. Um, When I was six years old, I lost my mother to cancer. And that same year, two months later, I lost my grandmother and then my grandfather at Christmas Day that same year. 
when I was six years old, yeah, that life event that occurred, those life events were right in my face a lot sooner than a lot of other people may experience. And I learned from that because that pattern continued. I had a lot of older relatives. I was the youngest of seven children. My dad was 47 years old when I was born. So they were older as I grew up and I would see, you know, people pass away from different things. And I learned that there's a value in what we're here for. What I realized when I was, I didn't realize it when I was six, but when I look back on it, I realized it, that the world always turns, right? It continues to turn. And I can remember the day we were getting ready for my mother's funeral and I was going into my closet to put on my little suit that my dad had gotten us and realizing, you know what, the sun still came up and she's not here. I've got to continue on. I've got to help people to realize, you know what, the world's always going to turn, the world's going to continue, but we're here for a purpose. And what is that purpose? I believe mine is to help people to see encouragement, to understand the value of life events. They're not always good, but from our perception, they could be bad, they could be hard, but they can be great. And we have to learn from all those experiences and be able to keep moving forward and continue in this great journey we have on this world. Wow. Well, thank you for, for being willing to share that. That's um, a lot to take as a, as a very young person and was clearly formative for you. I would say that you were certainly an anomaly, though, being someone to go through that much that early. And I'm assuming you're nodding, so I'm assuming you would agree. But um, for somebody who hasn't necessarily experienced some huge, you know, life-altering shift like that at an early age, but is feeling maybe called in a different direction, or they feel some level of angst that just it's not working for them the way that they're doing, like how would you encourage that person to kind of reassess their situation, or maybe make a pivot, or maybe even it's an internal pivot of some kind? That's a great question because uh, that's where a lot of us are right now with this scenario of, of this virus going around. We've all got to make a pivot. We've got to change something we're doing because the world's going to continue to turn. And it's a matter of what's in your heart and in your head. If we're believing in ourselves strong enough and what we do and how we do it, and we know that the eventual outcome will be positive or we want it to be positive, our brain is going to kick in and start to find ways to be able to do that. Because if the belief is strong enough within you, you're going to find ways to get it done. And we need to understand that right now, this time may be hard, um, but we're adapting. I mean, I'm talking to you and you're across the country. I'm in Florida, mm-hmm. you're in the Bay Area. And we've, we're utilizing technology that's been out there for a while. And yep. we can, ways to get around the scenario we have. We don't have to stay in the doldrums of negativity in our daily lives. I mean, I purposely, we all have huge amounts of power. It's called the off button on the remote. Turn off the negative news that inundates us all the time. We have that ability to shift that. And we have that ability in our own path, no matter what it is. Things are going to happen. You might get a flat tire on the way home from work. It makes you mad. It's frustrating. You didn't die. You know, you're still in daylight, possibly. You were able to get off the road safely. What's your perspective of that situation? Let's look at the positive perspective of those situations because, you know, things can be a lot different. And it's it's fortunate that we're able to, if we just stop and think about that, no matter what the situation is, what can I gain from this? As Tony Robbins says, this too shall pass. Okay? Mm-hmm. The hard part will pass. Are we going to learn from it? And what are we going to do about it when we do learn? That's, I think, the bigger picture that we need to remember is we can take action from from learning and knowing that 
things will improve. The experience someone is having in a given moment, and, and you brought up the the coronavirus that we're all experiencing right now, and depending on what part of the world you're in to different degrees, and what that actually means to you. Because I, I was talking to someone earlier today on a different episode of the show, and she was saying, you know, you could be going through the highest of highs externally, like you, you look at... Um, you know, from the outside, you're looking at someone who's like succeeding and crushing it, but, but yet their perception and their reality is that of, of negativity. And I use myself as an example here. When I went to the Olympics and, and placed fourth, I took a year and a half of time where I basically saw myself as a failure right. and most other people would not. And you look at me and you're like Olympics, you know, now he's selling real estate. He's got all this stuff going like that would most people would say that's a success, right? But I felt like a failure. So I had to do a lot of internal work, analyze how I got to those points and how I let myself believe those things and then decide that they weren't true and assign new meaning to it all. And, and that's not a small task at all. No. Um, and everyone goes through it in their own way. But I'm wondering, you know, from you, like even just at an early age, when you, when your mom passed and then you had the the string of people passing out of your life, you know, how did you have enough perspective or, or was it in retrospect that you realized, you know, that there was positivity in the whole experience? Cause I imagine it could have very easily gone another direction. And it was, um, I mean, six years old, you're kind of, because I, I, I didn't understand cancer, didn't understand what went on. I didn't, you know, I really didn't get a whole big of a chance to understand who my mother was when I was, you know, right. six years old. And it was in retrospect that I realized these values and these things that I've learned. So I've grown up with it. So it might be people say, well, it's easy for you to do that. Uh, it wasn't. And like you said, it's a long time because there's times where we all get that way. Where, like you said, you come back fourth place. That's one shy of the bronze, man. I'm not getting squat. And I put all this time and energy but guess what? You have the ability to do that. You right. have the strength. You have the bodily functions to do this. You got further than 90% of the people out there. Mm-hmm. That's a great accomplishment. I know it's psychologically, it's hard to, to realize that when you didn't get to where you wanted to be. And there's a balance with that. I think, like I said, growing up with that idea that overcoming and knowing that things will pass, knowing things will get better, it's a little bit easier for me. It's a self-talk. And it's something I've always done is realizing, you know, this will change. This will get better. Um, it's not always easy right now. Uh, I remember, you know, failing the real estate exam. I, mm-hmm. I took it two, two or three times. I think three times. I understand, you know, certifications for IT fields. I took an exam three times. The third time I missed it by three points. Mm-hmm. And I was steamed, you know. But yeah. it's, okay, I've got the ability to learn. I may not be the best test taker, but I have the ability to learn. I understand the technology. That's pretty good in itself. Mm -hmm. And so realizing the goodness you have and the greatness we have within us is a great thing to carry with us. A lot of people overlook that and they want to carry that external thing. And maybe that's not the best scenario. You know, that false idol, if you will. We don't necessarily need that. I've got a couple different certifications. That's great. But if I'm gone tomorrow, what good are they? We can't right. take any of this with us. So, right. you know, we can share with our, our value of greatness we have within us with our world and share it with other people so they can be enlightened. 
that's the better value. That's awesome, man. Well, I think we can just end the podcast with that. No, <laughs> but that's really great. I mean, the perception thing that you just said, you know, and the and the value you carry with you and and knowing yourself and like really truly digging down on who you are, identifying what those things mean to you and putting a lot of it in perspective is critical. Cause I I mean, I even think back to college, for example, and getting really stressed during a rowing practice because we always in the fall season, we practice in the afternoon and thinking like, Oh my gosh, I've got this paper, right. And I've got this test to study for. And I'm like only halfway through practice and I'm going to be so tired. And you know, you just spiral. Right. And like same thing in, in, in work is like, you know, you, you have clients to deal with and you have this and that, but then I would say, okay, wait a second, take a step back, look at this logically and, and, and put everything into some perspective. And then I would immediately shed about 80% of whatever the things I thought I were freaking me out and was able to move forward. And sounds like that's to some degree, what you're talking about is gain that perspective and, and, and don't, you know, figure out where you're trying to go and what your strengths are. And, uh, don't be totally paralyzed by fear. Well, and that's, that's fear is a, a ridiculously heavy burden to carry and it's like a rocking chair. You'll do a whole lot of work and it will get you nowhere. You know, you've heard the acronyms for fear, false expectations appearing real. Like you said, logically look at something. Are any of those really going to come true? You know, as a speaker, people will say, why aren't you afraid to get in front of groups? Why would I be? You know, yes, I know. I understand people are fear. There's, you know, the second fear behind death. People would rather be in the box than talking about the person in the box. I prefer to be alive talking about the person in the box. But, you know, those pieces are things we need to realize we're here for greatness and we've got to share that greatness with the world. And I think that's so critical because all this other stuff, we're only born with three fears, a fear of falling, loud noises, and a fear of shadows. Other than that, we learn everything else. And so Mm -hmm. we can unlearn those things. Like you said, once you logically look at what you have to do, okay, 80% of it's so much lighter, you know, I don't need this stuff. So. Absolutely. You said you, you talked to a whole bunch of different groups. Um, you said high school kids, you said IT people, like what are some of the common themes that you encounter when you go actually have those conversations and those talks with those people? Um, a lot of it's, I would say fear comes to mind and it's because of the unknown. It's because of that change. Uh, you, I could talk to a corporate audience that may be going through some change or changes coming about. And when you don't know what's coming, just like this scenario, we don't know what's coming, what's next, when it's going to clear up. We can't live in the unknown. Okay, we can try to get the knowledge to know. We can be proactive and stay healthy like we're trying to do. But fearing the unknown will get you nowhere. It will stop you. So mm-hmm. we've got to continue. We've got to breathe. We've got to eat. We've, we can socialize with people with technology, FaceTime. Um, my wife did that with a 95-year-old friend of hers yesterday. They, they used a phone and FaceTime. So she's 95 years old using FaceTime on a phone. Mm-hmm. But those types of things can help us to remember we're people. And interacting with people is a great thing. And so seeing that in both corporate and collegiate and high school audiences, a lot of times fear limits people. And that's not where we want to be. We need to get past living in fear because it doesn't do us any good. Um, I t- high school audience, I always give the idea of, you know, going on in a date. Are you afraid of two or three words, two or three letter words? 
Either it's no, and that's a two-letter word, so you're afraid of two letters, or yes, three letters, and you get an opportunity, and you get mm-hmm. to learn about somebody and get to experience somebody. College yeah. kids, you know, that idea of you're going out into the real world. Yes, you're going to have to do some work, but it's going to be great. It's going to be okay. You know, it's not going to be the schedule you used to have. It's going to be different, mm-hmm. and that change can be hard, but you'll adjust. You got a whole lot of time to adjust to it. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's funny. On the interview I did earlier today, we were talking about the example you just brought up of asking somebody out and how, you know, there's fear around that, obviously, and fear of the unknown, uncertainty, rejection, etc. And she challenged me to say, rather than rejection, because that obviously feels pretty, pretty awful to be rejected, like no one likes that, right? What if you were redirected? And I was like, oh, that's an interesting thought. So I will pose it to you. How does that concept resonate with you? Redirect, I do like that. Um, it reminds me of the scenario, the, half, the glass is half full or half empty. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, you got a half a glass to put something in. So, you know, how yep. do you want to look at it? You know, there's opportunity. Redirecting, right. it's like reacting and responding. Mm-hmm. So cut you off in traffic and you get mad and you want to go chase them down or you want to flip them off or you're yelling at them through the windshield. They can't hear you, but you don't know if you stop, slow down and think and respond. They could be going to the hospital because their wife was in a car accident. They got a baby on the way. Any number of scenarios. Mm-hmm. You're safe. You're okay. Look at the bigger picture. How are we interpreting these situations that occur to us? And that redirect is that reframing, that, give, that minute to just go, burr, hold on wait a second here. I'm okay. We can change this. It's okay Uh, to pivot. What you just said, the react versus the respond. Cause I think about that in my own life as well. And, you know, I, I think if you really take a second to break those two words down, you would think very differently. I I can't remember if it was Zig Ziglar or some other sales trainer I heard talk about that. But if a doctor said, something to the extent of like your body is reacting to the procedure. That's probably a bad thing, but it's like, Oh, your body is responding to the, you know, responding is usually better. Right. Right. And so that frame of mind shift is, is really interesting yet here we are in traffic or, you know, trying to ask someone out on a date and we generally react. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's in our nature. I mean, you think about it, it, it's crazy because it's been so long that mankind has been around, but we're not running from dinosaurs and trying to, you know, living in a cave. And that's where that react or respond, that fear or flight scenario comes into play. Oh, Mm -hmm. they're going to say, no, I'm not going to do it. Let's that fear from the, you flight, you run away from that idea that they could say something. They could say no. Well, why are you focusing on the negative? Okay, focus on the positive. What if they say yes? Where are you going to go to eat? What are you going to do? How are you going to talk to the person? What are you going to wear? Now, think of the opportunities. And that's why I I try to reframe people and and help them to see. Let's reframe it. Look at the opportunities, not the Mm -hmm. negative of what's right now and the the, the hard part. Um, Recently, I had a pool pump. My motor on my pool pump went out. Okay, man, that stinks. Okay, the pool could get green, blah, blah, blah. You could focus on all that stuff. Or you go online, you order the part. And it's one third the cost of having somebody else do it. You come in, you get it. Two days later, it's here. Eight bolts, three screws. I take off the old, put on the new, put it back together, wire it up, turn it on. Hey, we're done. An hour, hour and a half worth of work. 
yep. and think of the opportunity. You know, the pool's running fine. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, just even those like small examples, while they, it's like some people are like, why is he talking about pool pumps right now? Are, are so critical because, you know, it's like those daily interactions, those daily opportunities to practice this. Like, even if it's something small like that, it's, you know, you build those habits, you fuel that, that feeling of in yourself of like respond, react, you know, uh, negativity, positivity. Like you, you have these opportunities on a daily basis and I don't want to discount the analogies there because, you know, even though like the moments that we're hoping for is that we're going to stand up and deliver the presentation or get the job interview or ask the, the other person out and it's going to work, you know, but it's like, how do you practice that on a daily basis? How does it show up in your life? And I think it's critical to, to sort of analyze that part of it as well. You said it. It's that idea of daily life. It's practice, practice, practice. Every situation you have becomes a practice point from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night. We have certain things we may do. It's important to do those things. If you get up at a certain time, get up. Don't hit that snooze button. Get up. You know, do those actions that you need to do on a daily basis, um, that practice. And we're going to go through things that occur. You know, somebody's going to step on you. you. You can't go out. Your city's locked down, whatever the case may be. We can adjust to that and we can grow from that. And we can know that, okay, if I ship this action now, I'm doing more podcasts now because people don't want these big events coming scheduled right now. Okay, do more podcasts. There's an alternative. You can still get the message out. Let people know what you're doing, how you're doing it. We shift what we're focused on, but we stay focused on a positive thing. And to be fair and be the devil's advocate here a little bit, you know, there are just going to be negative things that happen sometimes. Like people get cancer, people get hit by car, like whatever stuff happens. And that's not to necessarily discount like someone gets coronavirus and has a very fatal reaction to it. Like, you know, like that's not to discount the fact that like bad stuff happens. And I, and I know you're not saying that, but for the sake of the audience, like that stuff can happen. Like we can all be on lockdown. Someone can get sick, things happen, but you can also choose what it means to you and how you respond to it, which goes back to where we were just a few minutes ago. Definitely. And, and, you know, yeah, positivity is not Pollyanna because life occurs and it is how how you perceive it, how you deal with it. And talking to other people's a lot of times they may think, oh, you're just, your head's in the clouds. Mm-hmm. Is it? I, I don't stress out. I don't feel bad when I go to sleep at night because I, I have these, these perceptions and I think of things in a positive manner. I pray a lot. Um, whatever that may mean for you, that's, you know, an outlet that I use to make sure I can't control everything. We know that. You just said that. People are going to pass away. People, I've experienced it. Things are going to happen. We don't have control over everything. So control what we can, be positive about what we can control, mm-hmm. and do the best we can with it. And the others, sometimes we have to let it go. And we got to pray real hard about it. And that's yeah. that, you know, that faith, that patience, is. that's where the, the true test of stamina comes in. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I was sort of struck by this because obviously with the coronavirus, a lot of emails get thrown around and people having advice or thoughts. And some of the ones that I've really resonated with in particular, one, um, I'm, I'm in real estate, as you know, with Keller Williams that our CEO, Gary Keller, sent out an email about what his thoughts on all this are and, and the reactions to the market and the global economy and all of that. And one thing that he 
suggested in this email was in 2011, people were still buying and selling houses almost to the tune of on a national basis, the same exact number of transactions as happened in 2019. And most of us would agree that 2011 was a pretty terrible time, but there were still the exact number of units sold in that year as in 2019, which we would all agree was a very good year for real estate. And so his point was those transactions were not obviously the exact same kind, but they were still happening. And so so if you have your head screwed on straight, you can keep the positive and decide how to respond to certain things you can you can still have an opportunity to to you know achieve your goals and build a business or or create a family or do whatever it is because it's going to be different than what it was yesterday but it can still happen definitely that's a good perception so that's interesting Bob, thank you so much for being on the show today. I want to respect the rest of your afternoon here and transition us into the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. First question. Uh, What book have you gifted most often? Well, the most recent one I gifted was um, Dean Graziosi's The Underdog Advantage. Mm, Very good book. Hardworking guy. Came up from busting his knuckles in a mechanic shop, doing real estate investing, um, selling cars, things like that. Um, does a lot with Tony Robbins now. So that was, that's a good book that I enjoyed that I've gifted to a couple people. And you've also got a book of your own. Why don't you take a minute just to tell us since we're talking about books? Yeah, I do. I uh, just released my latest book, my eighth book, A Positive Purpose. And uh, that's out and available now. So that's basically the idea of what we've been talking about today, the idea of positivity and focusing on that, sharing your greatness with the world and keeping a positive perspective to achieve what you want and help others achieve what they want in our world. Excellent. And I'll, and I'll link to all of that down in the show notes uh, for you guys listening. Uh, another next question, if you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? There's three people. I've thought about this before and I've read it and I was like, oh, I can't narrow it down to just one. But the first one would be Jesus, obviously. I think, you know, that would, how did you do that? What does this mean? The next would be chronologically would be Abraham Lincoln, because I Mm -hmm. think he was just a a good leader for our country. And he was very focused on self-education and achievement. He was another underdog, if you will, as well as a very faithful person. Uh, The third one would be my dad. He's, uh, he passed away seven years now. And, um, just to, you know, see his perspective now, you know, it's, it's always interesting when somebody passes, they say their body changes. My dad always had this scowl thing right here in the middle of his eyes. When he passed away, that wasn't there because mm-hmm. as a pastor said, when they came in and said, their worries are gone. So that goes mm-hmm. away. It's like, okay, I'd like to see that perspective of what do you think now that you've, you know, gone to heaven and, and seen that perspective. So, wow. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? Positivity works <laughs> as we've, uh, you know, discussed today, but it's, uh, you know, against most news stations, positivity, good, good faith stories. They're what drive people. I think sharing that with people is important and uh, I think it's great for our world. Really well said. Uh, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? <laughs> I start early. I start at 4.30 a.m. 
I say a little prayer, thank me for hearing the wake up device that I use to, to get up in the morning. And then I, I get out of bed. I don't hit the snooze. I do 60 push-ups, um, get ready, eat some breakfast, go over some devotionals. And then I'm off and I go work out before I get to the desk and start working on things for work. Awesome. Great start. Bob, you've been so great today and so gracious with your advice and your time. Uh, what is the best place that we can connect with you online? I am on all the social media channels on Facebook. Uh, my webpage is www.bobbrumspeaks.com. And um, you'll be getting those links, I'm sure, in the show notes. But I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram as well. So they can reach yeah. me on all the, all the social media channels. We will uh, drop that into the show notes uh, so you guys can go down there, connect with Bob directly, find out a little bit more about what it means to be an encouragement engineer and connect with him more personally there. Bob, thank you so much for your time. Congrats on the book launch. Uh, Congrats on all your success so far and look forward to staying connected with you. Thank you, Hans. I appreciate the time today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to connect with Bob Brum himself. I've got his social handles as well as his website, bobbrumspeaks.com, down in the show notes so you can easily find his stuff and connect with him there. He's also able to give you a free chapter of his book, his most recent book, which I have down in the show notes as well. And if you want to connect with me personally, head over also to the show notes down at the very bottom. I've got a link to my Calendly booking portal so you can grab a time on my calendar. We can have a quick 15 or 20 minute chat and uh, get to know one another a little bit better. So thanks in advance. Really looking forward to connecting. And uh, without any further ado, I am going to sign it off. So this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.